just, you know, put all the fear behind you and just make a phone call and say, I'm available. You know, is there anything that I can do to help? Hi, folks, and welcome to Humans of the Pro-Life Movement, an initiative of the Pro-Life Guys podcast, where we feature the super cool people from across the country and around the world who are making sacrifices of their time and energy for the protection of pre-born children, the support of their families, and for the betterment of our culture. And my name is Cam. I am the host of today's episode. Um, I'm sure that many of you have seen Peter, who's the other host. He does many of the other episodes, but my name is Cam. I'm hosting today, and I am joined by a great friend and contact out of the Edmonton area. Linda, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Cam. Good Thanks stuff. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. It's great to have you. And as I mentioned, we're trying to, trying to showcase a lot of different folks, a lot of different ministries and whatnot. And I'm very, very interested in hearing not only your story, but the, the group that you're involved with up in Edmonton. But before we dive into that, Often the media tries to paint this very skewed caricature of who it is that's in the pro-life movement. They, they try to frame us as a very nasty, evil kind of people. And I was wondering if you could just kick us off with a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about Linda outside of the pro-life movement, I guess. Okay, outside of the pro-life movement, um, I'm just an, a normal human being. I uh, came originally from Ontario and I moved out to the Edmonton area when I was in my early 20s. Um, I did lots of things. I uh, had a, a floral business that I worked for a while. Um, I worked in the airline industry for about 14 years. And um, I adopted a little girl from uh, Romania, my husband and I. And um, basically the last 20 years or so, I raised her and... Um, yeah, she's now 22, and uh, I'm semi-retired at this point, and uh, just enjoying life, trying to get through and navigate all this stuff with the uh, the um, pandemic and everything that we're going through right now. Exactly. But yeah, just just a normal, you know, everyday human being. I Super believe like everybody else. <laughs> Bingo. I, I think that's good to note. And, and I think it's so cool how this, this is very normal for within the pro-life movement. I, I'm sure that some of the people who may be new to the pro-life movement might be like, oh my goodness, you adopted somebody from Romania. That's really cool. That's not normal, quote unquote. But I think that's a beautiful, honestly, a testament to the pro-life movement that is, that, that is somewhat normal for people to adopt children, whether domestically or internationally. So that, that's super cool. Yeah. And, and so Talking about your journey in the pro-life movement, I, I know that you've been involved with the for some time now and in abortion recovery as a general process for even longer. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit about what that has looked like for you, because this is something that not only have you been a teacher and kind of guide in some ways, I don't know exactly the terminology that you would use, but you've also been a recipient for some of the support and, and healing that is often um, integral to the pro-life movement and meeting a broken culture. And I wonder, just maybe share a little bit about your journey with that. Yeah, well, um, uh, even the fact that I adopted my daughter from Romania is all part and parcel of all of that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my background is that I came from a very dysfunctional family, mm -hmm. ended up going through a couple of crisis pregnancies when I was in my very early 20s. 
Um, one of them was uh, as the result of an incestuous rape. And um, very, very difficult times. M my parents were divorcing at the same time. And uh, it just, just led me into this no man's land. I chose ab abortion um, to end those pregnancies. And um, as, as time went on, life just got very, very difficult. And uh, it ended up with me getting to a place where I was absolutely suicidal. Mm -hmm. And um, if God hadn't have stepped into that particular situation with me, I likely wouldn't even be here now. Um, but all of that led me eventually to get to the pregnancy care center here in Edmonton. And uh, I went because I was so... Um, uh, adamant that I was going to help women that were in the same kind of situation that I was in. I just thought I'm going to go and I'm going to get involved as a volunteer in one of these organizations and I'm going to help in whatever way I can. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I got there, the prerequisite was that we all had to go through training. And when we were going through the training, the uh, director basically vetted all of us and recognized that I was so wounded from my abortion experiences and uh, I'll even have to add that prior to this point in my life, I'd had a third abortion. And uh, so, but like, yeah, I was just a basket case. But um, uh, the director said, Linda, I think you need to go through this healing program. Took me through this beautiful, it, at that point, it was a 12-week program that I went through. And um, literally, it was just a a wonderful time of healing and reconciling with God, recognizing that, you know, I wasn't the scum of the earth that I thought I was, um, and that God was willing to give me a second chance at life. And uh, so I went through that. And in doing that, my, um, uh, I guess my association with the started then that was way back in the late, um, late 80s, early 90s. And from there, um, I have just been involved with the center ever since in every type of capacity, whether it be, you know, just volunteer, um, uh, board member, hamburger flipper, you know, whatever they needed is, is basically what I did. And uh, then um, the director said, I think, Linda, you, you should begin to facilitate the, the healing programs yourself. And so I took the training for that, and I've been doing that for years now, uh, not on a you know continual basis, but on and off whenever the, the program requires it. And so that's what I do. I facilitate healing programs for women to come in that have been wounded by abortion, um, and they come in and we take them through a, a beautiful program, depending on you know where they're at in life. We've got a couple of different curriculums that we use, and um, it's just so awesome to be able to see the difference um, in someone when they first come into the program and then when they leave, you know, 10 weeks later, it's just like, it's amazing. It's, um, just the difference of night and day. Oh, I, I'm sure I've, I've had in some ways the, the tragic, but beautiful opportunity of having spoken with thousands of people who have been directly involved with abortions, mothers, fathers, people who have driven, um, people to clinics, that sort of thing. And it's amazing this this revelation at times to them. They, they're anticipating condemnation. They're anticipating judgment from the pro-life movement. And, and tragically, sometimes that is what they receive, I know. But often when they realize that, no, we're the ones who want to sit down for coffee and talk with them and connect them with these kind of programs, it can be such a revelation because they're anticipating hostility when really 
we're not out here to spend all of our time pointing fingers necessarily at the past, but rather to look to the future first and foremost and offer healing and support. And I, I wonder, based on your experience then with having worked with them, I'm sure hundreds of people over, over these past number of years, are there memorable experiences that have stood out to you as, you know, when this dawned, I mean, whether through your own journey or through the journeys that you've been able to kind of come alongside these other mothers with that have, whether it's principles that stand out of when I realized this point, it, everything changed, or maybe, yeah. maybe even just interactions with people that are very, very memorable. What stands out? I think there's a, a couple of clients in particular that are um, very memorable. And there's a point that we get to within the, um, the healing program that it's really a turning point and it's all based around forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And uh, oftentimes uh, the ladies are able to accept God's forgiveness for what they've done and begin to move on. However, a lot of them get stuck at being able to forgive themselves. Mm -hmm. They just get mired in that self-condemnation and like, how could anyone you know uh, have done what I've done and they just get really stuck in that and um, just beautiful when they get that sort of aha moment when they recognize you know Jesus hung on that cross and when we stand there and we look up at him and we tell him that what he's doing for us by dying for our sins and bleeding and all of that once we tell him um, you know you're not doing enough because that's what we do. When we won't forgive ourselves, we're basically telling, telling Jesus that, you know, what you've done on the cross is not good enough. And when that realization sinks in, it's almost like a, you know, a, a really, um, just a shot of cold water type of thing, type thing. And, um, a lot of the a lot of the women really have that aha moment and they're able to get over that hump of not being able to forgive themselves and then it's it's just beautiful because all of the debris of the abortion decision seems to be done away with at that point and then we can start dealing with okay i've lost a child and i need to grieve for that child and then we sort of go into a different phase of the healing where we're focusing on that life and how that life would have affected the mom and and that type of thing so mm -hmm. yeah it's uh it's, it's just wonderful when you uh, get to that place where you can see the, the difference in the girls' faces. That, that is beautiful. And I, I can only imagine how, how encouraging that must be for you and the entire team to be able to see that, to have somebody come in broken and, and maybe depressed or, or whatever, and then see that light bulb go on when they realize that there is hope. And, and I wonder maybe before we move on to words of encouragement just in general, but for those who might be in the audience who themselves have had an abortion, know somebody close to them who have had an abortion, could you share a little bit about what these kind of programs look like? Because I'm sure that some people probably have in their mind this like dingy church basement where they're all like going in, in, in turn, standing up from their creaky chair, but hi, my name's Cam and I had an abortion sort yeah. of thing. Like, some people might not be ready to, to proclaim this at the front of a church kind of thing. What are these programs? I know that there, there's probably a variety of different programs, but depending on where people are at in their journeys, when they come in contact with you, what do these programs kind of look like, I guess? Yeah, well, right now, because of the situation with, mm -hmm. with COVID and everything, we're doing everything over Zoom. Okay. Um, 
Normally, we would have had situations where we would meet in a beautiful, you know, home with a cozy fireplace and couches and all that kind of stuff. And it's just women who've had abortions and Mm -hmm. uh, those of us who facilitate. And all of the facilitators that work with our particular organization, we're all Mm post-abortive. So um, uh, now with Zoom, it's a little bit different. We get all of the um, the housekeeping details, you know, figured out ahead of time. And then we finally meet and we literally go through the same program through Zoom. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very surprising. I thought that when we started Zoom, it would just be a complete fail because, you know, I, you know, we really like to be able to sit with people and, and just uh, have that relate close relationship. Um, but it turned out once we started doing things over Zoom, we were all, all shocked at how well things were turning out. Uh, The same type of healing we were seeing, the same type of breakthroughs we were seeing over Zoom. And so the ladies are able to um, contact our center. It's the Abortion Recovery Center. And then we let them know when the next group is. They decide whether they want to join or not. And we meet together and all of the women are at the same place. The very first night, they're sort of kind of afraid to look at each other and everybody's a little bit tense. And, you know, am I going to be judged? This kind of thing they're thinking. Um, uh, But very, very quickly, we get over that because we're basically all in the same boat together. And uh, our utmost um, principle that we keep is confidentiality. If someone wants to come in and they don't want family or work or whoever, they want to keep it totally a secret so that they can deal with it themselves, then that's basically we give them a safe place to come and to delve into all of this and, and to heal. Mm, that that is beautiful. And, and like you said, that confidentiality, I'm sure, goes so far for people that uh, I've, I've spoken with people who... They, they talk to me because I'm a random person on a street corner and they know that I don't know their coworkers or their family and that this yeah. is never going to trace back to them. And, and how forthcoming so many people can be about what they've gone through and yeah. the, what they're anticipating as blowback from their partner, from their family, from their church community, whatever it may be. Um, it's amazing how a safe place like that, a safe yeah. opportunity for them to start navigating. What do I feel? What am I going through? Because this is an overwhelming item. And I, I wonder, I, again, I know that I'm going off script here for, for the questions okay. that I told you that I would ask. Um, but I'm, I'm curious if there's any conversation. I, we've seen more and more of these campaigns from the abortion movement of shout your abortion and be proud of your abortion and things like this. And I wonder um, obviously, without getting into particular detail, is that something that comes up in the conversation? And, and as, a, as an organization, as the center, how do you um, look at those kind of campaigns? Is that an opportunity for, you know, a people are projecting um, pride in their abortion? But this is actually a beautiful opportunity for us to be able to identify and reach out to. Is this something that you guys kind of just allowed to happen tragically on the side of, of people who are not ready to be in a healing position. What are your thoughts on this kind of cultural development of shouting your abortion, being proud of your abortion, that sort of thing? Well, I think um, that direction that people take, is very unfortunate um, because most of the women that I've talked to, um, they're hurting there, there's been a lot of trauma in their lives to, to begin with that has brought a lot of these circumstances into their life. 
And um, the only thing that I can say about that cam is my personal experience with it. Before I became um, a believer in, in Christ, um, I was very much uh, the person that literally embraced the pro-choice movement because of the choices that I had to make or, or the choices that I did make. And because um, I had made the choices to abort, uh, there was just too much static in my mind. I had to embrace the pro-choice way of thinking simply because I didn't have a leg to stand on otherwise, um, mm -hmm. just because of, of, of what I had done. And so um, it wasn't until... I literally got to the place where my life was so um, out of control and I was so broken that I, I just basically surrendered to the universe, so to speak, because like I couldn't do it anymore. And so I think oftentimes the people that are in, in that, um, a lot of them are very hard and very calloused. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is a, is a decision they make because I made the same decision after my mm -hmm. second abortion. I just decided that's it. The only way I'm going to survive is to get very hard and not care about anyone or anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I specifically um, chose that mindset. And I think a lot of people do that because it's a, it's a self-protection uh, to a mm -hmm. certain degree. And um, I think that, uh, the uh, the people that are so adamant and so angry, I, I really believe that the roots of that are elsewhere. It's not just in a decision that I'm going to embrace this particular ideology. Um, so, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of woundedness and a lot of hurt, and it's just being covered up by anger and, and this type of thing. Gotcha. I, I think that makes a tremendous amount of sense and, and definitely kind of corroborates with what my experience has been as well. Just speaking with people, like I said, on doorsteps and whatnot, when, when it's very much a coping mechanism of self-defense that if what you're saying is true, then I can't see how I wouldn't be characterized as a terrible human being. Therefore, what you're saying must be incorrect or, or unfounded or something like that, because this intuitive notion of judgment or justice sort of thing a lot of people have that in their hearts, but they don't have the notion of mercy, the notion of mercy that can only be found in Christ, that, that there is hope and there is healing, that we can both acknowledge the facts while also not accepting our fate, as it were, as, as um, being ruined people, that there is somebody, as you mentioned, who has literally given his life um, for ours to offer us that, that hope and that healing that all of us absolutely need. And so I think that's a beautiful way of putting it. Mm. For those who are joining in, I, I'm sure that there are at least some who are joining in who are post-abortive themselves or have been very directly connected. There are some who um, have had different experiences. And, and yet for the others, those who maybe themselves, you, you had mentioned that the facilitators are all post-abortive themselves. I'm sure that many of the others involved um, in the ministry have similar journeys and whatnot. But for those who don't, for those who mm -hmm. may not be a perfect fit for a facilitator, um, either now or even in the future, I'm wondering what words of encouragement or empowerment you would give to them to, whether it's get involved with their local entity, whether that's a, a local pregnancy care center, whether that's becoming a donor or supporter, whether that's getting involved in a local outreach initiative, what words of encouragement or empowerment would you offer to people um, in that stage of life, I guess? Okay, I think um, the most important part is just having um, a compassionate heart. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the, it just so happens that the women that are facilitating in our particular organization, we are all post-abortive. But that doesn't mean that you have to be post-abortive in order to do this work. Mm-hmm. You just have to have the heart of Christ and want to be able to reach out to people. If you have an understanding of what pain is in your own life, uh, through you know any avenue, it certainly doesn't have to be um, uh, abortion. Um, but uh, just have a, a little bit of understanding of that and want to help. And my uh, rule of thumb is that I just I just follow the lead of the Spirit of God. And um, even in this whole um, journey that I've had, which has been over many years, I've just allowed God to open the doors for me. He sort of led the way and I just kind of follow, you know. Mm. And so um, one of the things that I've really um, enjoyed seeing with regard to people that are getting involved in in the pro-life movement right now is the young people that are jumping on. And I'm going to get emotional about this because it's so, it's so, um, encourages me to see these young people who just have a heart for righteousness for what is right and they know that what's going on in the abortion clinics and in the hospitals in in our country it's just evil and it's something that needs to be um uh like it needs to be seen in order for people to understand what it is and the young people that are getting out there and getting involved in that. I mean, it's just, I just want to give them all the kudos that, that there is. Um, as far as being involved in the pro-life movement in other areas, it just depends on what your own personal uh, walk with God is, what your gifts and talents are. Um, pregnancy care centers always need people to help. They need people to donate. They need people to be on phones, uh, just all sorts of different things. And um, uh, from every um, area, like we have directors, we have um, people that come in and sort clothing, we have people that um, uh, come in and stuff envelopes, like you can volunteer in pretty well every different area. And uh, yeah, just sort of be willing. And uh, I just encourage anybody that's thinking about it, it's not hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just, you know, put all the fear behind you and just make a phone call and say, I'm available. You know, is there anything that I can do to help? And the training that CCBR gives and people like, you know, um, Scott Klusendorf and, um, you know, I, I've learned so much from Jonathan Marin and his, his book, seeing is believing. Um, a lot of us within the, the pro-life uh, movement where we're on the ministerial side of things like I am, we've sort of had this tendency to look at, at it as being something where, you know, we're not supposed to be that vocal or get out there and, and be activists or anything like this. We're just supposed to maintain our low profile. And um, through reading Jonathan's book, I really came to have my eyes opened to the fact that in order for this to change, people have to know what abortion is. And it's so been flying under the radar for so long and it's sort of been hidden and it needs to be brought up out. And so anybody that even wants to get involved in that area, you know, I just say, go for it. Bingo, love it. And and I, I love to mention Jonathan Van Maren, a good friend of mine and a, a friend of the show. He's been on it several times. For those of you who are interested in that book, Seeing is Believing, you can find it on our website, prolifeguys.com. 
Um, you can find out a lot more about our other content on there as well. Our flagship um, show, the Pro-Life Guys podcast, which um, puts out episodes every Tuesday. Humans of the Pro-Life Movement, like this one here, and other content as well. Linda, thanks so much for joining in and for the vulnerability. I'm, I'm sure that um, you've, you've built the courage over many years to share your own story, but I, I really appreciate the vulnerability of sharing this story with me um, today for the benefit of, of those who are tuning in. And thank you for all of your work at the Abortion Recovery Center as well. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Cam. My pleasure.